Hi there. I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 105. And today I want to talk about Facebook, the internet, distractions, and screen time. Also, I'd like to tell you about a series of live streamed videos which might be of interest to you, or if you have girls, maybe your teenage girls. It is Saturday morning in Australia. I have a little bit of quiet time. A couple of our family are at work. A couple have gone for singing lessons. Imogen is singing at a mass at the monastery, and the only people who are at home is me and Jim Rose. I was drinking my morning coffee and I was thinking, perhaps I ought to sit down, take advantage of this quiet time and make a podcast. I haven't done anything online for a couple of weeks. It would be very easy to let everything slip away. I know a lot of that's to do with the fact that our family has been ill. We've all had a big dose of the flu. Today I feel perfectly healthy, but I haven't actually regained all my energy But I'm not going to go into all the details of how we've been feeling because I know that's not very interesting. I just wanted to mention it to show you how it is affecting our unschooling and what I'm doing on my blog. For a start, this week I haven't had any time at all or any inclination to do much with my youngest daughter, Gemma Rose. She's been feeling okay this week. She was not very well the week before last But this week she was raring to get back into things, but I wasn't up to it. But regardless of that, our Evernote notebooks are overflowing with notes. And this is the reason why. I had two doctor's appointments this week. I also had a series of blood tests. And those appointments and the blood tests were the starting point for some interesting conversations. We've been learning all about human biology. What do the kidneys do, Mum? says Gemma Rose when I came home and told her that my kidneys were functioning fine. Then I told her I had to go for an ultrasound to have a look at my liver, because my liver function isn't normal. What does the liver do, Mum? Yes, we've been googling and chatting about all kinds of things to do with our health and our bodies. And I've been clipping all those articles into our notebooks. One thing can lead to another. As Gemma Rose said to me when she was doing a bit of googling, of her own on livers. Did you know, Mum, that you can have this disease or that disease and it will irreversibly damage your liver? And I said to her, well, what happens if your liver is irreversibly damaged? And she told me that a doctor will try to save as much of the liver as possible, that we can live with just part of our liver. But if all of the liver is damaged, the only way to survive is to have a liver transplant. And that got us into a whole new series of questions. I found a video online called The Dinner Party. It's on Vimeo. The person who made it invited a number of people who had had transplants to dinner, sat them all around the table, and then he filmed their conversation. I'm not sure if that's suitable for Gemma Rose or not. I'm going to take a glance at that, because I think that might be quite interesting. We might get a glimpse into these people's lives and all the ethical considerations of surrounding transplants. Now I'm hoping there's nothing much wrong with me. It can be really hard accepting that we are ill. When I went to the doctors, 
the doctor looked at my records and he said, "You haven't been here since 2012. Have you just returned to the area?" And I said, "No, I haven't been ill since 2012. I have been perfectly healthy." Of course, I've had the odd cold, but nothing that has warranted a doctor's appointment. I get used to seeing myself as a healthy person. I take care of my diet. I exercise, and I don't want to hear that I am not one hundred percent healthy. I am not the sort of person who's going to have high blood pressure or liver problems, at least in my own mind. So I've been going to the doctor and for the blood tests, and I'll be going for an ultrasound under protest. This doesn't fit my image of myself. Hopefully, nothing big will be found. Probably the flu has just hit me harder than normal. Now, before I became ill, I was online writing about Facebook, and this is what I want to talk about next. I have had a love-hate relationship with Facebook for many years. I can see that Facebook has many positive sides to it. I have made some great friends through Facebook. I have been able to have a glimpse into their lives. I know people from all around the world because of Facebook. It's a good place to meet people. It's a good place to network. I've belonged to some good groups. I've actually formed a couple of groups of my own. So yes, I can see that there are many benefits to using Facebook. And this is why it has been difficult for me to come to the decision that I am no longer going to have a Facebook account. I have known for a very long time that I am spending too much time online, and maybe this time is well spent. But every good thing I do online takes time away to some good things that that I could be doing in my offline life, like spending time with my family. I know that the internet has been distracting me. That when I am talking to my youngest daughter, for example, when she's wanting to know what we're going to do together today, that half my mind is on what I'm going to be doing once I finish spending time with her. Yes, get through the unschooling, and then I can get online and catch up with the emails, write a blog post, think about a podcast, do a bit of promotion, all that type of thing. And really, that's the wrong way around. There is nothing more important than spending time with my own children. I got a wake-up call, oh, a few weeks ago. Jimmerez has been a bit out of sorts. I haven't been able to understand why. And then one day, Sophie, my sixteen-year-old, said to me, "I think I know what the problem is, Mum." She said that Jimmerez is last in line. And she doesn't feel important. She feels that you have had enough of unschooling. All you want to do is go off and write about it, speak about it. You don't actually want to go and do things with her anymore. You've done it all before so many times, and you're tired of it. You just want to get on to your own life. Wow, that's like being hit in the stomach. Here I am promoting unschooling and close family life. And really, I've got my priorities in the wrong order. How could I have given that impression to my youngest daughter? Because of course, I do want to spend time with her. I guess I have been distracted. I look at her; she is thirteen. When I started blogging, she was six, I think. All those years have passed so quickly. Flip back through my blog, all the stories. Yes, 
it seems like yesterday. And this worries me a bit because I think the next few years are going to pass just as quickly. And what am I going to do in another five years when Gemma Rose is 18? Am I going to look back and think, wow, I really wish that I had been more focused, that I'd taken more advantage of the time I had with her? Of course, children learn without us. My children are self-directed learners. They will get a good education, regardless of how much time I spend with them. But how much more rich that ex- their experiences will be if I do put in the effort. And I will have a greatly enriched life too, if I make the most of these years with my children. Our kids, you know, nothing more important than spending time with them. They teach us so much. They give us so much joy. I don't want that time the few years that I've got left with my youngest daughter to pass in a flash, in a blur. I want to extract every joyful moment out of the next few years because I won't be able to go back. I will never go through the childhood years with another child of my own. So is it worth giving up Facebook and some other things online for my family, for my daughter, Gemma Rose? Oh, the answer is obvious. Of course it is. We just get used to using things like Facebook, I think. We think we can't do without them. We get into the habit of checking notifications frequently, popping in and out of Facebook during the day, keeping an eye on what is going on around us. How will we cope if we get out of the loop? How will my blog do if there's no notifications on Facebook? Will nobody come and read my posts anymore? What about my podcast? Do bloggers and podcasters need Facebook? To be quite honest, I am tired. Tired of trying to promote my blog posts and my podcasts. Trying to persuade people to come and read what I've written. Listen to what I'm saying. The whole blogging and podcasting world is so competitive. Come and read my blog post instead of that one. I've got something worth saying. We write blog posts, we give them an attractive title that will entice people to follow a couple of links. We hope people will take the time to read and to absorb what we've got to say. Then we get started all over again. What am I going to write next? What am I going to speak about next? Should I go and read some other people's blog posts, comment on them, so that they will come and read mine? Should I get involved in all the conversations? Perhaps I ought to be reading a wide range of unschooling posts so that I pick up other ideas. Well, last week, I did none of that. I was just too tired. I didn't even want to think about it. I think sometimes our brains get overwhelmed overloaded with information. We know we have to do something. Most of us were just take an internet break, maybe go away for a few days, have a holiday, maybe take Sunday off from the internet, declare some internet free time. But things like Facebook always draw us back. Perhaps in a way we feel that there is no alternative. People communicate by email these days. We've got to be online. If we want to know what's going on, we've got to be involved with Facebook. We want to see photos of our families from the other side of the world or the other side of the country. 
We won't see them unless we're on Facebook, because nobody writes letters anymore or prints out photos. Nobody even uses the telephone, which really doesn't bother me because I'm not a telephone person. But yes, maybe we have a fear of being left behind, of not knowing what's going on. Well, about a week ago, I finally came to the decision to delete my Facebook accounts, not just to deactivate them, but to delete them completely, because I've deactivated my accounts a number of times, and that's only going halfway, and always I've crept back again after a few weeks. But this time it's permanent. Even if I decide that I need Facebook, I want to go back onto Facebook, I will start again with a brand new account. Maybe a whole new way of looking at it. But I don't think that that's what I'm going to be doing. Being off Facebook is a relief. Yes, I miss the contact with certain people. But the negatives far outweigh the positives in my case. I went to delete my account. I went to settings. And I couldn't find a way of actually deleting the account completely. I was offered the option to deactivate it. And that wasn't good enough, as I said. So I did some Googling. I found another Facebook help page. If you would like us to delete your account, click here. Or something to that effect. So I clicked on the link. I'd made up my mind what I wanted to do. And then I had to read through all these paragraphs of warnings. I, am I sure that I wanted to delete my Facebook account? Social media is part of life these days. How will I stay connected with all the people who are important in my life? Yes, Facebook at the very last moment tries to persuade you out of taking that final step. I suppose it's not in their interests for you to delete your account. I thought it was rather sad that... Social media is promoted as an essential part of our lives, that we can't live without it, because of course I think we can. Anyway, I ignored all those warnings about what would happen to my life if I deleted my Facebook account. I clicked on the link, that was it. Now I have two weeks, well I've only got one week left now, I can change my mind any time in the next week by signing into my Facebook account, and it will be restored. After that time, that's it, my account has gone. I scrolled through my Facebook page and my personal timeline before I deleted the account, had a look at all the things that I'd posted over the years. Now, I'm not sure exactly how many years I've been on Facebook. Quite a lot. Yes, there were a lot of memories there, and I felt especially sad looking at my Facebook page because I'd put a lot of effort into that page, trying to make it helpful and attractive, trying new things out, posting graphics and photos. There were a lot of conversations there as well, which I enjoyed having. Did I really want to wipe it all out? I took advantage of the option of downloading my archive before I deleted the account so that I do have a copy of all my Facebook data so I can go back and look at the photos and the conversations and everything. It doesn't look exactly as it was when I had it online on Facebook, but all the words and pictures are still there. I haven't really scrolled through it very much because at the moment I'm not interested but there is a record still on my computer. I did save the file. 
But I was thinking about when we delete accounts, it's almost like we're deleting our life or evidence of our lives. Very sad to see it all just disappear. Except, really, it isn't our lives. My life is here at home with my family. It's not online. That's just a taste of my life, some memories. My real life is sitting here next to my daughter, looking in her eyes, hearing her voice, listening to her thoughts, her ideas, her dreams, doing all that with all my other children, sitting with my husband, interacting in a real way. That's my life. And sometimes we can get distracted by recording, by documenting everything that's going on in our lives. We go on a picnic. I take my camera. I must have some photos to put on Facebook or on my blog. So everybody's got a pose. Conversation stops for a moment. Nobody's allowed to eat because it makes your mouth look funny in the photos. I'm thinking about how I'm going to use those photos. What story am I going to tell? I'm almost making up the story in my head before the story is actually played out in front of me. I'm missing the moment. Well, I was missing the moment. Missing sitting there and just absorbing what's going on around me with real people that I love. That's my life. Of course, I shall continue taking photos. They're fun to look at. Continue making videos. Continue talking about my life. And I will continue taking pleasure and looking back. But I think everything has to be in its place. Go too far one way, you miss out on the everyday joys. The face-to-face joys. I don't want to look back at the photos and the videos and wonder, what were we thinking at that time? What did we actually do? Yes, I got some nice photos here. But what were the joys of the day? I was so busy taking photos that we didn't actually have any nice conversations or we didn't actually do much because I had my face behind the camera. I didn't notice the little things that were going on. I was just looking for a good photo. So I'm going back to real life. Facebook has gone. written any blog posts for over a week. This might have worried me a few years ago because that's not playing by the blogging rules. As I said, the blogging and podcasting world is very competitive. We've got to persuade people to come and read stuff and who's going to come to my blog if I don't have regular new posts? I'm going to lose some of my audience. Well, I think that if I can help anybody, people will find me. I've got past the stage where I care about being popular, having a popular blog. What I really want to do is write when I feel like it, write when I feel I have something worth saying, and I hope people will come and read. But to do that, I have to stop being distracted. I wonder if you know what I mean. Our brains hop from one thing to another. They never get a chance to focus, to concentrate, to do things of value. You might remember... Oh, quite a few podcasts ago, I was talking about doing deep work. I was reading the book Deep Work by Cal Newport, and he was saying how the internet and social media affects most people's ability to concentrate, to focus, 
and that less and less people are doing deep work, important work. Nobody is having any deep thoughts, putting a lot of effort into writing things of value. We just sort of skim along the surface. We don't write letters, we write emails. We don't write books, we write blog posts. Anything that's quick and easy. Anything that doesn't take too much out of us. And just recently, I've had a yearning to do some deep work, to use my brain properly. Because really, I've become quite pathetic. I haven't produced any good work for a long time. Yes, I've got two books in draft form. Well, actually, I've got three books in draft form. And it has been worrying me that I haven't finished them. I just can't concentrate. I don't want to get on and do it. I'd rather just hang around social media, hang around my blog, do a little bit of work, don't think too deeply, publish it, people will like it, or not. But it doesn't involve much thought, much effort. The other day I found the draft of my third children's novel, my third angel's book. I hadn't looked at it for many, many months. Sat down on the sofa, wrapped myself in a blanket. It was the kind of activity which I could deal with, even though I was feeling sick and had a headache. I just read through all the stories. And you know what? I got quite excited reading them. I remembered how I felt when I actually wrote the draft. And I thought, there's some good stuff here. I had some good ideas. Of course, a lot of work is needed to turn those ideas and those draft stories into something worth publishing. But I think I could do it. Will a lot of people read them? I don't think that matters. I have a few fans waiting for my third angel's book. My goddaughter, Pip, a friend in England. Oh, a number of young people who have read the other two novels. Not a lot. You know, just a handful of people. But I think it's worth finishing the novel just for those children. Lots of you adults have asked me to finish the book as well. I just keep putting it off because it's hard work. So that's one thing I want to do. I'm going to work on my concentration. And I know I've already said this before in the podcast where I was talking about Cal Newport's book. I'm not sure what number it was. I did say that I wanted to work on my concentration, but I got distracted. I never did it. This time I've got rid of Facebook. I'm making a big effort here because I don't like the way I am behaving online. I don't like looking at myself from the outside and seeing what I'm doing. Just hopping from link to link, wasting hours, not getting things done. Relying on those likes to get me through the day. I wonder why we do that. Why do we feel that we need to look for likes? Those likes don't make us better people. This reminds me of an article that I was reading maybe a month or two ago. It was about app developers. This person, I don't know his name because I haven't written anything down and I quite often forget the details of a story. He had left this company that was developing apps because he thought it was unethical what they were doing. He was being asked to develop apps which are addictive, which will control our behavior. Things like Facebook and Twitter, other apps, they are designed to keep us coming back for more. We all know the problem of keep checking our phones, keep checking our apps, keep checking Facebook. Has somebody liked one of our posts yet? Likes, 
Yes, it's one way to keep us coming back because a like makes us feel good for a few seconds, and then we're looking for another one. One like isn't enough. We're looking for another one, and then another one, and then another one. Or we're looking for an email, and then there's another email, or another comment. They satisfy us for such a short time, and then we're hungry for more. Why do we want likes and comments and emails telling us, you know, wonderful things about ourselves or what we're doing? Don't we have enough confidence in ourselves? Aren't we all right without them? Well, the app developers have looked at people's needs and behaviour, and they are taking advantage of it. And when we watch people and we watch ourselves head for our phones every time, yeah, there's a notification or we're standing in a line at the supermarket. What are we going to do? We can't live with our own thoughts. We've got to be doing something. Let's check Facebook. Let's check and see whether we have an email. And yes, we're being controlled. And I'm tired of doing that. It's pathetic behaviour. I want to be in control of my own life, my own actions. I don't want to look like I'm addicted to the internet. So I've been thinking a lot about this. I'm making some changes. For a start, I'm rereading Cal Newport's book. So much of it affected me the first time around, and then I forgot all about it. And I'm reading it again, and it's as if I'm reading it for the first time. So many good points that he makes. I'm going to get in control of my life so that my life is better, so that the time I spend with my family is better, so that I don't miss things, so that I do some good work. I don't think that I'm alone in this problem. I only have to look around at everybody else and what everybody else is doing to know that this is a normal behaviour for most adults to be checking Facebook all the time, to have a phone in our hands all the time, to have one eye on the internet while we're trying to live real life. And I wonder, is this why we are so concerned about screen time and our own children? Deep down, are we unhappy? With the way we are dealing with the internet, and do we want something better for our children? Do we think that they're going to have the same problem? Is the internet addictive? Is it inevitable that they will follow our pathway? That they will live life with one eye on the internet, and will they miss out on other things of life? Will it be a problem to them? Is this why we want to control our children's? Access to the computer. Well, I don't think that the internet is necessarily addictive. I find it addictive. I have a problem with it, but I'm going to deal with that. I don't think that it is a problem that can't be solved. But the reason I don't think it's addictive is because my children aren't addicted to the internet. They don't have a problem. They go on the internet. They use it. They Google. They might pop into Facebook, but they don't spend a lot of time there. My daughter Imogen has a Facebook page. She spends some time there posting and answering comments. Maybe she keeps an eye on it, but none of my children are very active on social media. They look at social media as maybe a necessary evil, because their friends might post there. Their friends won't contact them individually. Imogen knows that Facebook is a good place. 
to post things about her music. Maybe she feels that she has to do Facebook. My children spent relatively little time on social media. Gemma Rose, who is 13, doesn't even want an account. Charlotte, who is 19, hasn't visited her account in a long time, and I'm talking years. The same with my son Duncan. I don't think he's been on Facebook since he opened his account. Sophie hasn't got many posts on her timeline. She's 16. Um, yes, none of our family are big social media users. Yes, they'll go and use the internet for Googling things. But usually, unlike me, they find out what they want to find out and they continue with their other activities. Me, I waste a lot of time, you know, following one link that leads to another that leads to another. I get pulled into all sorts of unimportant things. Yes, they don't seem to do that. So I don't think the internet is necessarily addictive. And all activities on the computer, I don't think, are equal. I think it depends on what we are using our computers for, because if we're writing and we're not even on the internet, that is a deep work activity. Making a video can be a deep work activity as well. It takes a lot of concentration to put a video together. Learning new skills. Yes, Facebook is a shallow activity. Googling might be a shallow activity. Unless, of course, we're doing something that's important that will lead to some deep work. But not everything that we use our computers for is a waste of time. So just limiting screen time, I feel, is the wrong thing to do. When I get stuck into my writing, when I'm really writing, which I haven't done for a long time, as I said, but I can remember, you sort of enter another world and your thoughts go deeper and deeper and the outside world disappears for a while and amazing things can happen. That's all very worthwhile doing. And if somebody comes along after maybe 30 minutes and interrupts the work that I'm doing, I have to be pulled back into the real world. My concentration goes. My thoughts stop. The work stops. I might lose something valuable. So a limit on the time that I'm spending on the computer isn't good. It prevents deep work. So maybe when we're thinking about computer screen time, maybe it's valuable to think about what sort of activity we are doing or our children are doing. And if we feel that our children are doing things which are wasting time, and that is a debatable point as well. Sometimes we don't see the value in things our kids are doing. But it is valuable, just because we don't think it's valuable, because they're doing things that we're not interested in. Ah, uh, it doesn't make what they're doing without value. Things like playing a computer game. That can be deep work as well. But I think we can tell when kids aren't happy on the computer. When I, when I, I know when I'm not happy, I stay there even though I'm not happy, because it's hard to get off. It's easy just to stay there, to get more and more involved in it, to come off later with a headache and think, well, I wish I hadn't done that, but I found it hard to actually stop and say, I want to move on to something else. Maybe that does happen with our kids. Maybe we can talk about it with them. Maybe we can share our own experiences, offer other experiences. I don't know. This would be an interesting topic for a discussion, maybe. Find out the reasons why our kids and why we spend time on the internet 
when we know it's making us unhappy? Are our kids lonely? Are we lonely? What does the internet fulfill in us? What need does it fulfill? Are we just tired? Is it too difficult to think of some other activities that we could be doing? Should we prepare some other activities ahead of time? Perhaps we need to find a pile of library books or some audio books. I would like to do some more embroidery. Should I put that embroidery right next to the sofa? Then when I'm tempted just to browse because I'm tired, maybe I could listen to something, get my sewing out. I'm sure I would feel a lot better if I did that. Could we suggest similar things for our kids? Just controlling our kids' screen time, I don't think, is the answer. A lot of unschoolers will say that there is no problem in letting our children have unlimited screen time. Kids will self-regulate. Yes, of course, they may go overboard for a little while because they're not used to the freedom, but eventually they will find a nice medium. And we should accept every single activity that they choose to do. It's important to them. And I have found this to be true. This is true of my own family. But I know that other families aren't finding this, that they're not happy passing on all control of computers to their children. And because I have been unhappy with my own computer use, and because, as I said, maybe we feel that our children could have problems because we do have problems, I think the whole issue is a lot more complicated than we would like to believe. And if we do think there is a problem, perhaps it's irresponsible of us just to abandon our kids to it, just to say, well, you do what you want. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that the issue of screen time, especially internet usage, is fraught with danger, that we don't pay enough attention to it as unschoolers? Do you think that our own example influences our children? Do you think we should go looking for reasons why our children are spending what we think is time on the computer that does lead to unhappiness? Do you think we should look deeper? Do they have needs that we don't at first see? Is it worth digging around a bit, not just saying, well, look, we'll let our kids do what they want to do? I don't think control is the answer, but understanding our kids maybe and their needs and guiding them and helping them along the way and helping them see how they can fulfill their needs in the best possible way. The other interesting topic to do with the internet is rewiring of brains. Now, I haven't done a lot of reading about it. I've just touched on the subject. But it is interesting to contemplate the fact that the internet is changing the way our brains operate. Is that good? Is that bad? A lot of gaming people say that it is good. I guess a lot of people who don't like the computer would say that it is bad. But what I find really worrying is the concept that there are people out there developing implants for our brains that will give us computer-like abilities. They say that we can't keep up with our computers, that our brains need rewiring to keep up with the advances in technology, that we're going to use technology to change our brains. I don't think that we use our brains to their fullest capacity at the moment. 
Perhaps if we all got off the internet and started focusing and concentrating and doing some deep thinking, we would get more out of our brains than we do at the, at the present time. Perhaps we don't need implants. But I find this both a fascinating and a worrying subject. Do we want to go that way as a society? Well, that's all I've got to say about that because, as I said, I've only touched on this subject with my reading. I don't know too much about it. I'm just giving some first impressions. Now, I've been sitting here just going from thought to thought. I'm hoping that some of what I have said is relevant to you. I don't think that I have said everything in a concise manner. I haven't gone from a logical point to another logical point. I've backtracked. I guess this is the sort of conversation that I might have had face-to-face with somebody. You know how you enjoy those sort of conversations where you go around in circles, go off sidetracks, come back to the main topic. Except I haven't had anybody who is answering me, who isn't interjecting with their own opinions and own points, which would have made this conversation a lot more interesting. But of course, you can still do that. You could stop by my blog. You could leave a comment. You could leave an opinion. We could continue this discussion on my blog. Of course, we can't continue it on Facebook because I'm not there. But there are other ways. Maybe it's quite all right not to come to some definite conclusions when we're mulling things over. But just to open up the conversation, to ponder a few points. And that, I hope, is what I've done today. I haven't tried to tell you what to think or what to do, but just to share some of the thoughts and the things that are affecting me, some of the things that I'm not happy with in my own life. I wonder if you can relate to any of them. I think there are a lot of my friends who do understand what I'm doing with Facebook or what I have done. Because a lot of people did stop by when I announced my decision to leave Facebook and congratulated me on my decision. Some even said they wished they could do it themselves. And I wonder, why can't they do it? Why do they feel that they have to stay with Facebook? Because we all have a choice. We don't have to do anything. We are free to make our own choices. And if we choose to stay with Facebook which might be a good thing, then I think it's a whole lot better to say, I choose to stay with Facebook. I know why I have made the decision to be here. It's a positive thing in my life. Rather than say, I wish I could get off Facebook. I wish I didn't have to do Facebook. And then it turns into something very negative. And then, of course, something that is negative is always hanging about in the back of our minds, affecting our thoughts, affecting our lives. So of course I'm not saying get off Facebook. It's an individual decision. But I do think there are a lot of people who are thinking about things in the same way that I am. Well, that's all I want to say about Facebook and the internet, computer screens, all that type of thing. But I do have one more thing I want to talk about before I finish this podcast. And it is something online, and it is something on Facebook, which is rather ironic. You might remember that in my last podcast, 
episode 104, I was contemplating doing some Facebook live streaming, and I almost made a video. Facebook Live was the last straw. It's what actually got me to the point of deciding to delete my account. Because even though I wanted to do a Facebook live stream video and I announced that that's what I was going to do, I got to the point where I thought, if I do this, I'm getting deeper and deeper into online activities. I blog, I podcast, I make videos, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, Facebook Live. You know, I would be committing myself to maybe a weekly Facebook live streamed video. It could be good, lots of positives, but it would be another commitment, another way that I'm getting entangled in the internet. Did I really want to do it? And I decided that no, I didn't. But my daughter Imogen is doing Facebook live streaming. And I'm involved with them. And this is okay because I can just stand behind the camera, be involved in her Facebook live streamed videos, and it can be a bit of fun, a bit of family fun. I'm helping her. It's a thing she feels that she wants to do at this moment in time. I can talk with her for a few minutes. And that's the end of my commitment. So if you would like to see those Facebook live stream videos, Imogen is making them at the moment on Thursday mornings. And you might hear me from behind the camera. You might also see me if I'm dragged in front of it. But what I really want to tell you about is the fact that Imogen has decided to have a focus for each of her live stream videos. She's going to be talking about issues that affect girls. If you have some teenage girls, or they might be interested in these videos, or you might be interested in them as a parent. We're going to be talking about such things as fashion and modesty, books, movies, role models, careers for women, for young girls, study, makeup, social media, friends, exercise, diet and body image, all the sort of things that young girls are thinking about. We might take one topic per week. We hope that you will come along and join in with our Facebook Lives. You will actually chat to us live. Yeah, join in the conversation. I think a lot of unschooling things will crop up while we're talking. Now, these are Imogen's Facebook Lives, but she wants me to be involved and the other girls as well. We're going to sort of have a round table. We will prepare a topic ahead of time, make a list of questions that we would like to explore. So we're hoping that... We can lead a conversation. This won't just be about my girls. That other people will get involved. That we can start a conversation, swap opinions and thoughts and ideas. Support each other, maybe. I hope that this idea sounds interesting to you. I would like to invite you to go over to Imogen's Facebook page, Imogen Elvis. I'll leave a link in the notes. And if you are interested in her Facebook live-streamed videos, perhaps you'd like to follow her page. Usually she'll post about the live-streamed videos ahead of time, tell you when we will be live, do a countdown. And then, hopefully, you will join us live. And if for some reason you can't do that but would still like to watch the video, it will be available in the archive later on.
all I want to talk about today. Probably when I re-listen to this file, I'm going to think, oh look, this isn't really worth posting. I went all over the place. I wasn't feeling my best today. I don't sound my best. Perhaps I shouldn't bother putting this episode online. Well, even if I feel that way, I'm still going to edit it. Stick it up there. This is episode 105. It's the best I can do today. And I think that's all we need to do sometimes. Just try, do our best. Hopefully somebody will get something out of this episode. I know that I have enjoyed mulling over some thoughts today. And I really hope that you've enjoyed listening. I hope you agree that things don't have to be perfect in order to be valuable. Now, I don't know when I'll be back with my next episode. I would like to say next week, but I'm taking life as it comes. I hope that's okay. I hope you'll stick around. I hope you'll be willing to listen when I have something to offer. So I'd like to thank you for listening to episode 105. I hope you have a wonderful unschooling week. And until I'm back again, don't forget to trust, respect, and love unconditionally.